From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now, your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world. The Food and Drug Administration is trying to be more proactive combating foodborne illness. But there are big questions about whether the agency has the money it needs to accomplish the job or if it'll have to lean heavily on outside parties, including the food industry, to be the enforcers. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by agriculture and food reporter Ellen Ferguson. Congress in 2010 passed a law aimed at modernizing food regulation, and now the FDA is following through with rules dealing with what exactly? Well, the Food and Drug Administration recently issued some rules dealing with produce safety, foreign supplier verification, and third-party party accreditation. What that boils down to is it means that farmers will now have more unified standards to meet in producing certain types of produce. It's not all produce. And importers of foods will have to certify that they are receiving food that was produced under conditions similar to those in the United States. So it's all supposed to come together with some other rules to make for a safer food supply. Critics say the agency has too long focused on reacting to outbreaks of salmonella or norovirus, other foodborne illnesses. How is its mission changing? The Food and Drug Administration admits that, but that was they were operating under the current law. In 2010, Congress approved legislation that's trying to kind of turn the agency to focusing on prevention. That means more testing, um, standards, um, uh, greater working relationships with state and academic uh, institutions at the state and local level to try and cover the ground. So they're trying to be more forward-looking, but it's going to take some time to make that total transition. Most of the rules that have been issued at this point, uh, five of them, um, two more to come in the spring, are focused on that, but they have kind of a long, multi-year transitional period because these represent for some of the processors, farmers, and others in the food industry big changes. For some, it's not that big of a change. So you're trying to get everybody on the same page at the same level, but it's going to be at different times. So not surprisingly, the FDA says it needs more money to get the job done, but so far, Congress has only given it a fraction of what's been asked, right? Well, what advocates will tell you, and they give credit to Congress, is that even though there's a tight budget and there's been the emphasis on spending restraint, that appropriators have signaled that they consider food safety to be important and they have provided additional money. It's just not at the level that the administration has requested or that FDA feels is enough for it to do this major change. But the agency is moving ahead. It's forming uh, a sort of a partnership with a number of entities to provide training, um, to come up with curricula, to provide information to the parties that are affected. Because there are going to be a number of, of farmers in particular who sort of kind of heard that something was coming and who only now are going to be finding out that they are going to be affected and they're going to want that information. So among the changes, the rules will bring nationwide enforceable produce safety standards for the first time. Why has that taken so long? In the beginning of food safety in the, in the United States, the focus was on meat. If you remember Upton Sinclair's book, that was about the horrors of the slaughterhouse. 
And I also think that only recently, within the last 10 to 15 or so years, we've realized that produce can represent a major danger if you've got um, certain pathogens on them. I think there was also resistance in the industry because food industry, no industry really wants additional regulations, especially if it means it's going to mean money for changes. And no one wants to make change that they don't have to make. But there have been some recent high-profile outbreaks. We have spinach. We've had the um, peanut paste or peanut butter. And then there have been some other investigations where the FDA wasn't quite sure what the source of uh, contamination was. So you might say they started off with, oh, it's peppers. No, it's tomatoes. But the growers are going, wait, <laughs> wait, now now we're suffering. They're just going to – people are not going to buy peppers or tomatoes because you named us. And so I think there finally became the kind of pressure um, and the realization among the industry that, you know, it's better if we can say – we have been inspected or we have met certain standards and we're all on the same page and nobody has an advantage over the other person. So what do all these changes mean for the consumer? Well, eventually, I think what the Congress and the FDA are are looking towards is that it will mean a more consistently produced and monitored food system, um, fewer outbreaks of foodborne illnesses. Now, if someone were to say this means the end of all foodborne illnesses, that would be an overpromise. They are looking for the ability to prevent, um, and sometimes you know, that requires a major shift. And I guess they'll be looking at eventually the number of foodborne illnesses that are reported, the types of foodborne illnesses that are reported, the kinds of pathogens that are are involved, because this is a developing issue. I think it was maybe two, three or so years ago, maybe a little longer ago, there was this family-run cantaloupe farm in Colorado. Suddenly, there were listeria cases tied to that. There had never been listeria cases tied to melons. There were a number of factors that went into that. Some of it was was the washing, the storing, and the transport of those melons that played into that. But that was a new discovery, and that was something that If they had put a list of of produce to cover, cantaloupes wouldn't have been on there. It's on there now. What kind of produce? Almonds, from almonds to watermelons. It doesn't cover every type of produce. It's largely the the, the produce that, but for things like, you know, almonds, um, some of the orchard fruits, um, lettuce, spinach, and other things, those are. So it will be... As they move along, they're going to learn. There are going to be some things that come off that list, and there are going to be some things that are added to that list. So it's not going to be stagnant. In the area of food imports, the FDA says 88,000 importers brought in 12 million food shipments last year, for the most recent year that data was available. How can one agency possibly police all that? One agency can't. Um, what FDA is trying to do, again, it's it sort of mirrors what they're doing domestically. FDA says that if it even got all the money that has requested, it would never have the bodies to physically police everything, which is why they're trying to form partnerships. Now, one of the things that is happening with the foreign supplier verification and the third-party um, auditor accreditation is they're saying to the importers in the food industry, It's your responsibility 
you have to have something set up so that you can say, and your name will be on the line, you can say that the foods that you have brought in were produced under um, farming uh, standards similar to the United States, that they were processed under standards similar to the United States, and that you have exercised your due responsibility in ascertaining that. So it's going to rely on a number of, of networks with different agencies, um, domestic and international, to get that done. And to some extent, public pressure. Because if there are outbreaks, it is shown that a uh, importer or a processor violated the standards. There are going to be repercussions, not just for that one company, but for an entire industry. Agriculture and food reporter Ellen Ferguson on the new safety rules from the FDA. Thanks very much. I'm Adriel Bettelheim, and until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud.